everyone, and welcome to episode four of Death Space Filling the Void. I'm Patrick Jones, recording from Charleston, South Carolina. Just moved down here from Brooklyn with my girlfriend Jamie, our dog Ollie, and our turtle Franklin. And I'm happy to say we survived the move. Pretty stressful there for a while. I can't believe I can't believe we're already on episode four here. But this episode is going to be a little bit different. In this episode, I interviewed my former boss, Philip O'Brien, who's a former news executive, with the subject matter being how the news reports on death. When is death newsworthy? Why? How should the news be reporting about death? This was recorded in the weeks following the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. My hope is that this episode will help foster conversations like we were having this summer. It's an interesting discussion for people who work in news, but also everyone who's a consumer of news. But before we jump into the interview with Philip O'Brien, I wanted to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by my software tutor. Do you fear the spreadsheet? Phobia be gone. My software tutor offers three levels of real-time Zoom-based courses with a live instructor. They all deliver practical, functional business skills in a friendly, supportive environment. These courses will increase your marketability, whether you're an employee, job seeker, consultant, or contractor. Register at mysoftwaretutor.com and use promo code POD20 to save 20% off all registrations. The episode's also brought to you by The Cardist. With so many birthdays, there's no time to shop for cards, write the cards, and buy the stamps. Now you can do it all right where you sit, because the Cardist Studio does it for you. Introducing a writing specialist for the message inside your greeting cards. The Cardist Studio creates your message, writes it in the card, and mails it for you. All you do is pick the card and tell why you're sending it. No more errands, no more anxiety, for a message from your heart, but not your hands. Sit back and just Enjoy your relationships. TheCardistStudio.com, thoughtful, just got easy. And you can use promo code DEATHPOD for 10% off all orders. All right, please also remember to follow Death Space Filling the Void on all your favorite social media platforms. And if you're enjoying the show, please rate and review it. That would, uh, that would be very helpful. And I'd also like to mention that my other podcast, That Gives Me Anxiety, is going to start in about two, three weeks. It's a show about the things that scare us and and why they may not be as scary as we think. All right. Thank you so much for listening. And Now joining me on the podcast is Mr. Phil O'Brien. He was a founder of New York One News a news executive at NBC, and he was my boss for several years at Zazoom. Phil, wonderful to talk to you. And so good to speak with you, Patrick. It's been way too long since those, those good old days. I, I would point out to everybody that you were employee number one. That's right. At Zazoom. I and, was. And you sure were, and we were happy for it all those days. Well, I remember it was so hard to, to get a job, and, and I was so thrilled and I was just so thrilled and excited for the opportunity, you know, to have a space to create stuff. And, and you guys were patient with me being a young pup at a film school um, to help me develop. Well, you had a lot there to develop and, and we wanted to give you some breathing room. 
Thank you very much. That's very nice of you. So you've been a journalist throughout your your, your whole career. You, you worked at CNN and New York One and NBC. I have lots of uniforms in the closet from <laughs> That's great. Do you still have them? <laughs> no. no. I was going to say. Well, I, I just want to get a sense of, of what a, a newsroom is like and, and, you know, directing it to the topic of this podcast. When is a death newsworthy? What makes it newsworthy? Okay. It depends on a lot of factors. First, I would point out that it depends on the type of newsroom and what it is that you're reporting. If you're reporting, let's say, opera news or automotive news, mm-hmm. death as a daily occurrence is probably not up there on your sheet of important things right. or important decisions. But in a what we call a general circulation newsroom, something that most people might check out at some time, and that includes CNN, or uh, BuzzFeed, or the New York Times, or any number of things like that, Time Magazine, that everyone could be drawn to, then certain deaths become very important. Those deaths are for famous people, celebrities, athletes, and also people who meet violent or untimely deaths, because that becomes newsworthy. If news is considered what is not ordinary, then being killed in a hurricane or in a smash up on a highway is not ordinary. Right. Types of stories might be common. We might hear of one every week, but it's still not ordinary and it rises to the level of being news. Well, why do you think an unordinary death is newsworthy? Is it viewers are taken aback or are they learning about a possibility or you know in the case of a hurricane is it like for for the next one you know you should be careful because people do die during these things what is it about that it's actually a couple of things when you talk about something like a hurricane or a, a forest fire or earth some natural calamity or even something violent like an explosion a bombing it sort of becomes the gauge for just how bad it was. Got it. Okay, 320 people killed in a hurricane. It makes the hurricane much worse than two people, unfortunately. But it is used as a gauge as to how bad was this unusual event. Got it, to compare it to past or, or other hurricanes, yeah. I can remember when I was starting out that they, news organizations, they don't longer do it so much, but they would use the comparison of, I'll make this up, 725 people were killed in an earthquake in Madagascar. No Americans were among the reported deaths. As, as if, if American lives are worth more than... Much more. Yeah. And you can go on with your life because it didn't involve anybody you know. Right. Uh, but but, that but do Italian news stations do that and report that like no Italians were, were dead and Chinese news organizations? <laughs> Actually, I'm not sure, but I, I wouldn't say no. It's, just, yeah. it's probably somewhat of a, of a human or tribal response to things. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but, but also about what makes some, an uncommon death important or interesting is that it is nonetheless important and it's, it's meaningful because it strikes, I believe, it strikes us all as 
the uncertainty of death and that we, none of us really has a guarantee against something happening. Right. We don't. That, that's it's absolutely the true. ultimate happening. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. Did you ever feel that in a given newscast beyond just like a, a, a major event that there, you may have rejected a, a death report or, or story because there was too much of it in a, in a given nightly newscast? Yes, as far as individual stories, I can remember clearly in the late 80s during the crack wars. Okay. In, especially in New York City, where I was producing television news shows. And we would get reports, without exaggeration, of perhaps six, seven, or more killings oh related God. to crack cocaine. It might have been an overdose. It might have been a drive-by but they became, there were so many happening in the course of a day or overnight that it became, do we already have a video of the scene of one of them? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't, and I don't need the other four. And is that just because you, you're nervous of overwhelming the audience or you just uh, don't want a single note? Both. You're letting one of them speak for the entirety of it because you would also throw in a a script line there, which would say killing at this location was among four reported. Right. Okay. So it's not like like neglected, but it's not totally neglected, but you're you're, you're not doing a a half hour show on murders. Right. You're supposed to do a cross section of what happened in your locality uh, uh, that given day. And there's just so much you can do. What you can do beyond that in a news organization is say, hey, to each other, hey, we've got a, a serious trend going here. Let's devote more time in some sort of special. Got it. To it. Right. But on a daily basis, you had to, you had to just pick and let the others fall aside. Right. Well, especially since I, I think, especially like a, a local TV news a television show can really sway the people who watch it, right? And, and they may be too fearful or there may be like a line between over-reporting and then people build up that they're living in, in, in much more dangerous times, right? If things start to be covered more than they're really happening, right. I guess. Yes, that's true. You have to be on guard against that. If you're an impartial or try to be somewhat of an impartial journalist, you have to be on guard not to have that false sense. We're doing this in middle of June, following uh, weeks of protests, following the George Floyd, and now the Rashad Brooks police killings. Right. And it comes down to our certain television networks portraying it as rioting in the streets, and you better watch out. Or is it more impartial that these are people motivated to go out and express their opinion and disagreement with certain things. Yeah, it's been crazy to see sort of the political aspects coming into how it's been reported. And it speaks back to your earlier questions. If you have demonstrations going on in with 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 all without exaggeration in several hundred communities on yeah. a given day, the producer of the show can only pick so many. So the producer might pick those with the largest turnout Mm -hmm. or where something became heated or where the signs were, looked good. But you have to distinguish one, you have to choose one over the other. 
That's a good point because, you know, in watching the protests here in Brooklyn, they were showing a lot of the area around the Barclays Center when, uh, and there were clashes there when I live in Crown Heights and peaceful march after peaceful march. And, and it wasn't shown, but certainly the clashes with police are, are more newsworthy. They, they, they just kind of are. So. Well, yes. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's an ongoing debate. Yeah. About- <laughs> whether that should be. But it, 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 again, it, ra- it raises the, the description of the story higher. Now you have conflict. Now you have uh, a, a deeper resentment. You have a further split. And news is all about a split. It's about confrontation of one kind or another. The school board wants to do away with the basketball courts, and the parents don't want them to do that. That's conflict. That's what makes it interesting and different from nothing happening. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. (laughs) Just like uh, they decided to do this and and yeah, everyone thought that was a great idea and they all went out for a beer. Right. Right. Let's say, do you want to go into more about the George Floyd part now or do you want to? Well, sure. What, what, What has struck me about it as far as your theme of death is the imagery. We saw him die. We saw, we saw Rashad Brooks die. And I think that has so much more impact visually. And I was also thinking and looking up some stuff. One of the most famous news photographs uh, of all time mm-hmm. was shot in the 1930s during the Spanish Civil War. And it captures, if you, you've seen it, it captures a soldier just shot. Yeah. And he's just, and be- I would say this, before that shutter clicked, he was dead. Right. And it, no other shot was ever captured like that. And it, it speaks to the, this is it. It's one of those things that stay with you. Like an image like that stays with you. The, the video of George Floyd stays. Dave. I just watched Dave Chappelle's stand up on, on YouTube and he talked about being uh, hesitant to watch it because he knew the second he did, in his words, he could never go home. In that he could right. never unsee it. It, it. It's so plainly horrifying. And, uh, but unfortunately, it, well, it is important to watch, I think. And it has been interesting to watch how news organizations have gone about showing snippets or, and, and linking to it and, and showing the different angles. It's such a, a, a deeply emotional and horrifying thing to watch. And, and I can only imagine how difficult it would be for news directors, executives, producers who may wrestle with how to show it or when to show it or if they're showing it too much or because they're sort of setting the tone or, or, or showing something that, that people can't go home from, to borrow Dave Chappelle's point. I'll give you a few personal experiences I had. The imagery of death can be like nothing else. It, it can just mesmerize us. It makes us realize the finality of it all. And it's, it's that other person that's experiencing that finality, but we all relate to it as that's going to happen to me someday, but I hope certainly in a more comfortable way yeah. than these horrors we see. Seriously. Some examples were from September 11th. We had footage at NBC of some of the jumpers. And 
it was just, I largely made the decision not to show it because it was just too horrifying. We and some other networks showed some figures in the air, but you don't see the whole thing. Um, from a, a simple fact that it's just too haunting, too much. It, it, it's just too haunting. And then following that, because this is interesting, I, I want to see what happens as the George Floyd movement continues through the summer. Will it come to a point where you won't see the image of the police officer on his neck as often as we've seen it so far? And the comparison is to the burning towers. After a while, after a couple of months in 2001, we stopped showing the burning towers. And we were just becoming too overwhelmed looking at the people? Too overwhelmed and you almost start to become immune to it. Yeah. It's like you don't even see it anymore, perhaps. But we had lots of calls and emails from people saying, please, I can't look at that anymore. And you know the phrase wallpaper. In a, yeah. in a television program, it's just throw up some tape, throw up some video just to use it as cover for what you're talking about. And in that case, all the networks eventually either stopped using it or cut back drastically. Well, in thinking back to the example of 9-11, you know, my father worked in the towers and was lucky enough to get out. And but that's not even that's not ne- that's neither here nor there. It's just all of the country and and the world were were hurting. And I think after a while, I, I couldn't look at video of people coming out, you know, with their suits ripped and stuff like that. It, it just like I guess the the overall sense is that it was like picking at a scab in that it wasn't fully you know, the emotional scars weren't fully healed and going back to that point. Right. Perhaps there wasn't time to let them begin to heal. Exactly. Then you have other forces at work where you, you can't lose the momentum and the moment and what else wants to have happen during this. Right. Which, which in the case of George Floyd is, is all the good that's coming from, Yes, one would hope so. The, yeah. the other interesting thing about death and its imagery is going on also at this time and a little bit before George Floyd, and that was uh, and that is Corona, COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. Some of the images that really struck me were the refrigerated trucks outside hospitals to put yeah. corpses in. I mean, that was just. Horrifying to me. It is absolutely uh, the the thought that we're at a state in our city where we would need this. Yeah, it's and, a nightmare. and other nightmare. other images of uh, burials and funerals that couldn't be carried out in any way like we used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, loved ones can't go to um, the ICU; they have to use an iPad and 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 do a, do a, do one of these Zoom chats with their dying relative, their loved one. This is all plays to the, the horror and the finality of death and how, can, how will I deal with it and how will other people deal with it? And here it is happening in front of me. And it's, it's to me at least, always so different from 
will my new company be a success? What will be the outcome of my new endeavor, my new company, my, the new school I'm going to, the new love interest I might have? Mm -hmm. What is going to be the outcome? We don't know until it happens. Right. But we do know the outcome of life. Death. Death. Yeah. <laughs> That's certain. So we all are like, how am I going to deal with this? How am I going to prevent it or, or delay it? I saw one quote I was reading up for, to, to do this interview with you, and it was, dying is easy. It's the living that's hard. <laughs> so true, right? We, we, in all the examples you just described, we build it up and, and lose sleep and, and get nervous about it. And, and one of the things I'm initially discovering and kind of how I view death uh, is, is that it should shape and, and, and it adds a bit of bravery to my day where it's like, boy, this doesn't matter. It, you know, the, the small stuff doesn't matter. And, and I saw another quote. I'm, I'm going to misquote it, but it had to do with uh, what you were just saying was a, a brave person thinks about death. A weak person can't get past life. That's something, a, something like that. That's certainly good advice, I think. So, Phil, thank you so much for this discussion on, on the news. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on death and how does it shape your life and yeah, I know that's super open-ended, but I, I didn't want to push you in, in any arena. I wanted to sort of see what happens when you respond. I think death is something that quietly permeates everything we do and sometimes even every thought we have because subconsciously it's always present there, that someday this will all end. Right. Um, it, it, it sort of depends on how much further you go and what type of person you are. If you're religious or atheist or whatever. Personally, I've gone from being religious as a much younger person and thinking of heaven and all that mm -hmm. to now even wondering that there is nothing. You just, you don't know you died because there's nothing afterwards to tell you that you died. Right. Right? You're done. It's just over. Or perhaps, perhaps that's why we have the universe and all those galaxies out there. Maybe we go there. Who knows? That's a nice maybe, thought. Maybe, maybe we all become stars. <laughs> we, we'll find out, though. Yes, we will all. That's, I guess, we will yeah, all find out. But, that's true. But again, death just permeates everything. Look at, look at the way we speak about certain things. When, when something negative or bad is happening, we say, you're killing me. Mm -hmm. When something seems to be drawing to either a, a monumental change or even the end of something, it's, it's the death of. Uh, COVID-19 is causing the death of the regular workplace. Life as we knew it. Yeah, right. The death of the restaurant, the death of the bar. Right. All, all this stuff is, is related with that imagery of, of death. It's like a finality to it, I guess. Right, yeah. right, because we all can relate to that immediately. That's true. There's the, the phrase that someone being nervous about death and, and someone else saying to them, well, where were you during the Renaissance? <laughs> right. <You're, laughs> you were fine then, so right. if you go back there, you, you're likely to be fine as well. Right. Uh, well, thank you so much for your time, Phil, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Yes, I would love to, Patrick. It was my pleasure.
Thank you.